<laughs> that, that's what United are. They're a trust fund. They're also a content provider. Yeah, a sitcom and football club is not really one of them anymore. Subscribe now to the OTB Football Podcast stream wherever you get your podcasts and download the OTB Sports app. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. We're joined in the line by Dermot Corrigan of The Athletic to talk about the latest situation at Barcelona, which is wild. Dermot, good morning to you. How are you? Hey, Joe, how's it going? Um, yeah, pretty wild, all right, around Barcelona these days. Like, I, it, it, I, I, it, I have no idea where to start with this because it's so complicated and bizarre. Um, there, there was reports overnight that... Um, Manchester City have, have denied that Bernardo Silva is going to join them for 40-odd million or 50-odd million. And the whole world is wondering, how are they financing all this stuff? While at the same time, trying to take their former board to court or certainly take a court action that will annul contracts that the former board put in while we all heard that they were a billion in debt and completely broke. So can you maybe just give us a quick explainer of what the hell is going on? Yeah, it is it is super complicated and yeah, even trying to even a quick explainer is a token. But yeah, Barca are they have huge financial problems that they inherited from from the previous board um under Bartomeu. Laporta came in about eighteen months ago now, returned as president, and since then he has been trying to, to sort out their debts. They've done a lot of work off the pitch, refinancing debts. They brought in Goldman Sachs. Um, so they, they kind of have, they have access to money. Um, like It's a bit like they've uh, remortgaged the, the camp now. They've remortgaged everything that they can and refinanced their debts. So they, they do have access to money that they can spend on players. That continued this, this summer when they have uh, sold or, or taken in money for their future TV rights. So they're taking a lot of money up front, like 600 million euros or so from, from American investors. <coughs> and uh, in exchange for for TV rights going 25 years into the future, so they'll be paying for that for a while. So they, they do have this money that they want to spend on players, um, including maybe Bernardo Silva, who, who Xavi would like to get in. La Liga are saying that, hang on a minute, like this, and just because you can you can mortgage yourself into the future doesn't mean it's such a good idea. And the Liga have pretty tight salary cap rules, so they are are enforcing those rules. So at the minute, all the players that Barca signed this summer, Lewandowski, Rafinha, um, Koundé, the defender they got from Sevilla, along with the players that they re-signed, whose players had run out, including Dembele, they're not able to play against Rayo Vallecano on on Saturday as things stand there's a row going on with the Liga about the, the fine print of, of how Barca have raised their money this summer about, about whether it's possible or not so yeah it's chaos they're, they're trying to get rid of De Jong I, the, the stuff about it being an illegal um, De Jong's contract being illegal can be seen kind of as a way of, of putting pressure on him to leave whether to Manchester United or to Chelsea because that would help them in their their the fine print with La Liga around being able to register their new signings, but again, I hope some of that made sense because because it is it is just super complicated at the minute. The fact that they can't play the players that they've signed this summer in the first league match of the season is absolutely remarkable. I I can't remember a scenario like this ever in world sport where one of the biggest brands in the game has been so chronically mismanaged that they can't use the players that they've spent a fortune on in the matches. And that the, the league is the one who are saying, no, no, you can't do this. Because normally it's in the league's interest to make sure that from the TV rights perspective that Lewandowski is playing because they want as big an audience as possible. It's in the league's interest to get this situation sorted. So imagine how difficult it must be for them to say, look, lads, you, you can't do this. You just can't 
you can't be doing this, lads. <laughs> yeah, like the relationship between La Liga, uh, President Javier Tevez and Barcelona's Laporta is not good. Um, you go back to the, the Super League when, when Barca were involved in that and are still involved in that. They were in, in court in Luxembourg um, last month try, trying to fight that battle. There is a lot of brinkmanship going on as well. Um, like I've been talking to people at, at La Liga and people around Barcelona this week just for reporting on the Athletic. And on both sides, there's kind of a feeling that it will get sorted out, that the, a lot of this is is noise. A lot of this is is kind of negotiating in public. There's constant communication between them. But yeah, La Liga are kind of forcing Barca into a, into a situation where, where maybe they will have to fold. Maybe they will have to choose between players. Like maybe it might be possible to register Lewandowski under the rules, but not to um, to register Rafinha, for instance, or or you know the Javi or or somebody at the club is going to have to decide who's more important to register. Which again is is kind of crazy. It, it's Wednesday morning now. They have until Friday to sort it out. If something happens in the meantime, like say De Jong agrees to go to Chelsea, that would help them a lot. They might be able to register everybody. And it's kind of crazy. And you talk to people around the dressing room and they say that the players are not really that affected by it. There's been such drama at Barcelona over the years, going back to the rout between Messi and, and the previous president, Bartomeu. You know, the, the, the dressing room are kind of used to all this kind of crazy noise going on behind the scenes. You know, Neymar, all the things that went on with him as well. When he was at the club, so according to them, the players are, are focused. They're able to, um, you know, they're they're training this morning and um, getting ready to to play. Xavi has, you know, he's Lewandowski in his team that that he's he's working on for the weekend because they're all working under the assumption that he will be able to play. But it is it's surreal and it just doesn't go on at any other club for sure. And it seems to have like permeated throughout all aspects of the club. Like you talk about maybe the players not being overly affected by it. I presume it was hard for Martin Braithwaite to, to not be affected by yeah. getting booed the other night. And now the whole, one of the many, many angles in all of this is like, oh, the Barcelona fans all of a sudden, uh, maybe not as, as cool as we thought they were. And just the whole club just has a complete stench about it. It's not just in the boardroom anymore. Yeah, like it went back with Dembele as well. You might remember last last January, Dembele, who you know was a bit of a flop, um, who had come in to, to replace Neymar a couple of years ago. The club were trying to force him out. The sporting director of the club went on TV saying he's never going to play for the club again. He was being whistled when he came on to play in some games back in January and February. Xavi kind of rehabilitated him. He, he got his confidence back up. He played quite well towards the end of the season. And now he's back and he was being cheered by, by the same fans who were, who were whistling Braithwaite. And an extra complication is Braithwaite and De Jong have shared the same agent. Um, so, so, yeah, like... They do put out that the players are, are sealed away from it, but um, not that they don't know that it's going on. It's just that they, they can kind of compartmentalize or they can um, or, or at least try to compartmentalize it in their brains and say that, you know, it's the players are quite selfish in a way and they want to perform and they, they want to be in the team. But but yeah, it's 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 obviously not a good situation to be in going into the first game. It's I, 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 Part of this also is once the football starts, people start talking about the football because it's going to be very interesting. They have this collection of young players. They now have this collection of really old players uh, who, if they gel, should be very interesting to watch. And they've got a, a young manager who's very charismatic and it's going to be interesting to see how successful or otherwise he is. So is there a, a sense that uh, all of the boardroom wrangling will become less important assuming the players that they've signed can play for the club and that actually this then becomes the B story as opposed to the A story that it is at the moment? Yeah, for sure. Like that's the 
that's the plan is that they're taking these risks or they're they're doing everything that they can to get players in like Lewandowski especially because he's going to score the goals that's going to win them games and get them positive headlines it's going to bring in more sponsors get more fans to go to the camp now because the crowds of the camp now were down last year and they, they talk about a virtuous circle which happened the first time around when Laporta was, was president um, he came in at a, a difficult time for them in the early 2000s they signed Ronaldinho they had Javi and, and Iniesta who maybe is like Gavia and Pedri these days, and it's kind of propelled itself forward. There was lots of of uh, shenanigans, let's say, uh, at the club during Laporta's first term too. Under Bartomeu there was as well, but you know they they won the triple in 2015, and Bartomeu was re-elected a couple of months later with a huge landslide. You know people do. It's it's all about if if the club are winning games, they're beating Real Madrid. If they're winning trophies, um, in theory that that solves everything. But if they don't. Um, is is the big problem of, of what happens then because they have you know they've taken on extra debt they've signed all these players if for instance they're not able to they can't find a way to raise them if the young won't go if they if they can't get the, the problem sorted out with La Liga what happens then but there's just this kind of uh, confidence that Laporta inspires in in the people around him he's he's a very charismatic guy he's a very optimistic confident guy and he he seems to think that he's just almost through force of personality or through the size of Barca's brand that they'll be able to to come through it. it it's almost like he enjoys having the noise. If Barca are in the headlines, it, it, it's good for them. It's People are talking about them. That's where they want to be. And it's, um, yeah, again, just repeat that. It, it just doesn't happen anywhere else. It's a, it's, it's a unique thing that goes on at Barcelona. And again, it, it doesn't seem like it's just a boardroom. Like, I mean, that incident with the fans booing a player would suggest that maybe they're like, Laporta is onto something here or that there is a level of blind belief within the Barcelona supporting fraternity that this thing is going to work out in the end or that they might actually be doing the right thing here. Yeah, like if you if you live in Barcelona, if you if you read the Catalan sports press, which are very close, a lot of reporters there have very good sources at the at the camp now, and there's a kind of narrative that <clears throat> excuse me that can be shaped. And if you if that's your your bubble, I guess, then you have a very different idea of Barcelona than if you read the, the English media, your Man United fan, you're wondering what the hell is going on with with Frankie De Jong, or you read the, the financial media and you look at the, all the levers that they've they've been. Um, and been setting off this season and what that means for the club into you know 10 20 years time a lot depends on on the focus and you know football fans want their team to do well and um, if you're a Newcastle fan or a City fan or, or a Chelsea fan you know you you manage to, to compartmentalize as well what um what's going on and you can still cheer on the team and yeah that is even multiplied if you're a Barca fan that that just listens to the local media there and just talks to, to your own fans and goes to the games. I know fans are obsessed with uh, their team's debt, but debt's fine if you can repay it. And uh, the, the the risk that they're taking here is that the team will perform at a level that will continue to put, as you said, that virtuous circle in place. Um, is the debt fine? Like, uh, have the economists who've taken a look at this gone, that's fine? Or is it is this Peter Ridsdale's leads that we're looking at? Uh, you know, it's a bit it's a bit like the, is it the take of it where it's like, you know, we've an expert or the, the TV show, the take of it where they have an expert who contradicts something. He goes, I'll find you another expert who can, who can tell you that, that it is true. Yeah. Um, Barcelona leaning economists say that it's fine. And the people at the club that they have, they've done deals with people like Goldman Sachs to, to refinance the debt, to push out into the future. And they're very confident that they can grow the revenues of the club. That Barca is such a, such a huge brand um, you know one of the biggest football clubs in the world or they say that the biggest football brand in the world and they have all these plans to to monetize their global fans to to get 
people in, in Ireland or, or in China or the United States or wherever to to pay membership fees to become Barca fans to get extra content over the internet. They're going into crypto space as well, which is, you know, again, depends a lot on your point of view, whether that's a good idea or not. But they, they feel that they can they can really take another step forward as they did, you know, back 20 years ago with the guys who, who a lot of them were at Man City now. Um, that Barca's medium and long-term future is is going to be fine. There's going to be a payoff to debts. That a lot of that is um, based on maybe they're going to be in the Super League as well. They're still quite confident that some kind of Super League is going to go ahead and that that's going to exponentially increase their revenues. The problem is if if everything crashes and burns this year, if if Xavi can't handle the dressing room, <clears throat> maybe Lewandowski gets injured. Maybe key players like Pedri or, or Ter Stegen or somebody is out for a while that they don't really have somebody who can who can replace them and the team you know fails to get into Champions League or drop out again that that kind of thing would be a huge problem for them but they're they're quite confident it won't be and that um yeah that they're able to handle the, the the debts that they have can i just ask you a little bit then about the the football side of it because it definitely feels a little bit like when Xavi came in there was a supermarket sweep we'll buy and take everybody that we can possibly get and we'll put them in the team or we'll see if they can make an impact in the team and then obviously qualify for the, the Champions League everything seems okay but now those players who they signed like Aubameyang's being linked with Chelsea um, it'd be a short period of time I don't know did, did Adama Traore play any football and I'm not sure but like who is who's the architect who's the this version of the Cheeky Bagarstein or whoever was buying the players at that point who's the sporting director going yeah no this all makes sense I can add this guy who's you know, at the very end of his career or I can uh, let's re-sign Dembele. I, I, who is making those decisions? Yeah, the the sporting director at Barca's got called Matteo Aleman, who's um, who's a very experienced uh, guy. Been around La Liga, was president of Mallorca when Mallorca were very good back in the early two thousands. Real Madrid tried to sign him. He was then he was at Valencia for a while, won the Copa del Rey there, built the team there that won the Copa del Rey. And he's a super astute guy. He's very good at. He's more a numbers guy than a than a football guy. He he doesn't he's not a former player or anything, but he's he's very good. They also have Jordi. He's very good at at the the contracts end of it, the money end of it. They have Jordi Cruyff, who's come back to the club. Um, Johan Cruyff's son, former Man United player as well, who has a load of experience um, at different smaller level clubs around the world. Um, but but knows football really well. And, and Javi has a big role in in identifying players and, and deciding who they're going to sign. But then there's Laporta, you know. Lewandowski seems to have been more a Laporta idea that, than anybody else. There's other kind of, because it's Barcelona, there's other directors, there's other people there involved who are involved in scouting. And it's a bit like they've all got, they've all got what they wanted. Um, like Laporta wanted Lewandowski, Xavi wanted Koundé to come in a, as a defender. Now, they, somebody picked up Christensen from Chelsea because that was a good deal on, on a free transfer. But they've got, they've got too many players maybe to fit them all together. And it will be, a huge challenge for Xavi to to get the best eleven or get the best shape and get things working. A couple of people I'm speaking to wonder, like they said, that the mood within the, the team is really good, and you could see in the in preseason the team were were playing very well, scoring lots of goals. You know, it's preseason, and some of the opposition they were playing weren't great, but the, there is a there was a buzz around them, and there is a lot of optimism looking at it. Is to see now, you know, if things go wrong, say they lose a Clasico, they, they have a difficult Champions League group, something happens, how Xavi manages it, how he manages disillusioned players, if De Jong stays and he's on the bench all the time, or if, um, you know, Christensen doesn't even get a game after being signed and they made promises to him. How, how Xavi deals with all that is going to be super interesting to see. But the the evidence is that he, he's pretty good. He, he knows he knows what he's doing, how he rejuvenated or rehabilitated 
Dembélé was really impressive and Dembélé was firing at the end of last season. So again, again in football and especially at Barcelona, it depends on your perspective on on what you want to happen maybe. But if you're a Barca fan, a lot of them are very optimistic about how things are going and think that they can challenge for La Liga and, and be competitive in the Champions League again this year. All right, that's uh, the, we, we all felt that way at the start of the season and then um, <laughs> you get beaten by a team newly promoted 2-0. Uh, uh, sorry, I, 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 I digress. Um, the, the quality of the young players is obviously the other thing that I presume is giving the Barcelona fans some hope for the future. Is the evolution of that um, particular trio of, of teenagers uh, that we've been talking about for a long time, is that going to be the bedrock of the team into the future? Or actually, have they managed to sign enough players so that they can not rely on those to win them a league this year, for example? Yeah, that, that is super interesting because... Um, speaking to maybe going back 18 months or so when Laporta was coming in as president, there was a lot of talk about how, you know, Pedri and Anzu Fadi and, and Gavi, these are going to be the guys who are going to build the team around. Even some Barca fans saying they didn't care, you know, we can finish fourth in, in La Liga and make the champ. Once we make the Champions League, we don't need to be, you know, winning trophies because we are Barca. We're you know, more than a club. We're based around these, these young players. That, that idea kind of went out the window last year when it seemed like they might not get into the Champions League and they went for, Abamyang and Ferran Torres and now this summer again. So it, it's kind of interesting to see how whether Gavi's um gets a place in the team because he's up against Kessie now, um who who they've just signed. Maybe De Young stays. Gavi has so many options. Anzu Fadi as well. You know, he, he was being marketed as their new number ten. He inherited Messi's jersey last year, but he's had so many injury problems that they couldn't really rely on him and now they've signed a lot of of big attackers to play on the wings like Ferran Torres and uh, Rafinha fr- from Leeds this summer so maybe he won't get in a game maybe that will affect his I forgot about Ferran Torres <laughs> what <laughs> they have spent so much money on, on players it's, it's um, yeah I mean if they can get them all to play together fair enough a quick Frankie de Jong question um, there was one report that perhaps Chelsea were willing to pay the deferred money um, and soak up that cost if that's the case is that the out that everybody needs Maybe it would make the most sense. Um, like De Jong, he clearly didn't want to go to Man United. He wasn't super interested about playing in the Europa League, and he, he definitely wasn't going to um, going to give up any money in order to to go and play there. I, from from everything that that I've heard, De Jong himself is, is very happy in Barcelona. Loves the city himself and his his girlfriend. They got engaged earlier on this year. They've bought a new house, and he he, he likes the lifestyle. He likes playing for Barcelona. He's always been a Barca. People say you've always been Barca fan as a kid, but you know for Dutch players it, it's so huge to follow in Christ's footsteps. And he 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 doesn't want to give up any money, but he actually does want want to stay. And he feels that he can fight and play for his place. It has got very dirty and very um, just 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 not nice at all. The atmosphere around it, and from his agent's point of view, a big move would, would make a lot of sense as well. You could go to Chelsea, you get get all the money that you're owed up front. You can play in the Champions League there as well. It's not such a bad bad option. So. Maybe maybe he will end up going in the end, but it will be because things that kind of Barca dream that he had turned so nasty because of what happened with the previous president, and again now with the current hierarchy, which would be well maybe a pity for him and just a pity in general. I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it, do you expect it to come to an end, or do you think that maybe he might still be there in September? I think it's still more most likely that he'll still be there in September. I, I, who knows with Barcelona and who knows with with football and the transfer market and stuff? But um, yeah, yeah. 
my 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 good feeling will be that he'll still be there and and they'll find a way to to register everybody and it, they'll just kick the can down the road and, and hope that this virtuous circle does work out with, with all the great players and um, it'll be Javi's problem on, on who he picks Alright um, I think there was a, a a tweet that was sticking up here uh, the big short but it's explaining whatever it is that Barcelona are doing uh, uh, it's um, somebody comparing yeah <laughs> what is it is it uh Anthony Bourdain using uh, the, the price of fish to explain what the hell is going on. They definitely need to, to get uh, uh, an equivalent of that done for this Barcelona thing. There's going to be a great book in this, Dermot. I hope you're writing one. Yeah, taking notes. Yeah, good man. <laughs> uh, quick word on Real Madrid, who, like, you know, are watching all this going on. <laughs> what are you doing? You just sell a training ground to the government and you get out of all this problem. That's all you have to do, lads. You're in the halfpenny place when it comes to dealing with crisis. No crisis in Real Madrid. Really quiet. Everything going very well. Coming off the back of an incredible season. They re-signed all their young Brazilians for bio-clauses of billions. Like, it's the perfect Real Madrid situation, right? Yeah, it's, it's, ama- it's worked out amazingly well for them, really. Considering, you know... Back at the end of last season, they thought they were going to send Mbappe. Then he turned him down. That was such a big kind of public humiliation for Florentino Perez. We all kind of stood back and wondered how we how we'd react to that. <coughs> Excuse me. But then a week later, they won the Champions League. It was to, to go with La Liga title, Carlo Ancelotti smoking his cigars on the open top buses in in Madrid, and they're still on that cloud of of just just happy place with Madrid. Still, they have done good uh, business in the transfer window. You know, got their business done early, signing Rudiger from from Chelsea and young midfielder Chouameni from uh, from French football, who who's, looks a really good player, really good addition to, to the team. So yeah, everybody's happy out at Madrid. In a kind of interesting way, their Perez it has been helping Laporta to sort out the, the Barcelona problems. That it's not it's kind of not in their interest for Barca to fade away. They need a a rival there as well. So again with the connections that they have through the Super League that um, Florentino has been you know uh, helping out Laporta in making connections to help him raise some money this summer and try and sort out their their financial problems which in itself is kind of interesting but yeah Madrid are, are super happy out they've got this, the European Super Cup tonight they should beat Frankfurt in that you would imagine another trophy to celebrate and, and kick off La Liga's champions at the weekend Are Real Madrid the good guys now? <laughs> <laughs> Um, it is difficult to to actually uh, to go that far, but um, <laughs> looked at from they're definitely the the better run of the two clubs. It, and again, as both clubs who are owned by their members, one is is total chaos at Barcelona, where democracy doesn't seem to um, to help them out that much. Whereas at Madrid, Florentino, it is in theory a democracy, but he has it well under control. And yeah, there are five Champions Leagues in eight years, and finances are pretty healthy and new Bernabeu are going to be opened up next year which is, is pretty stunning as well so they're in they're in a good place In an interview with Paul Kimmage one time Park Harrington said what we need is a benevolent dictator that may be very well what Real Madrid have at the moment and um, maybe there's a gap there in Barcelona Great to have you with us Dermot Thanks a million Cheers Cheers Jer OTB AM With Gillette Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar 